so I want to welcome you. I think the testimony to what you have over here of support is already incredible that you have a family that, okay, we're here. What do we need to do? We're here. You have a, a very chash of a rab who is uh, well known and you have a lot of support. So uh, we're just going to go through a couple of, um, a couple of points and then we're going to ask the rabbi to, to, um, add anything uh, that he wants to, any ideas, any guidance, any chizuk, any inspiration, any, of course, bracha, that we should be successful. Um, I only deal with very serious cases. So the first thing that we need to understand is that after going over the history and really assessing the situation, unfortunately, the situation is very, very um, bad. He's struggling very, very much with just uh, fitting in, and it would make no difference what system that he would be in. A lot of people think this is a religious problem. It's not a religious problem. It's a functioning problem. I was at a business meeting, and there's this woman there that's worth um, over a billion dollars with a big B. And um, somehow at the meeting, somebody told them that what I do is I help people struggling with kids dropping out of school um you know for free and that's like my hobby so after the meeting she calls me over she's like you know short little chinese lady and she tells me she has two kids a girl and a boy and the girl is fine and the boy he's like 15 years old and he dropped out of school and 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 you know he's he's uh he joined like a gang he colored his hair pink he is full of piercings won't listen to what they say he's smoking he's smoking weed He's a rebel. And she's like, why he do this to me? Why he do this to me? And she's freaking out, just like every Jewish, nice little Jewish family that I met. And he, this guy has a half a billion reasons to just be normal. Just be normal. One day, half a billion coming your way. And, and he's dropped out of school. And they, they threatened him. And they locked him out. And they said, you're out of the Yerusha, whatever language. they, However they say Yerusha in Chinese. You are to my Yerusha, and he's gone, and 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 he's locked out because the therapist says you got you can't let him walk all over you, and that as if, as if that's going to change his behavior. No, one day, one day, really. But in the meantime, he's going to go from being a coddled, spoiled brat smoking weed to a rebel who's going to meet guys on the street. He's going to get a street mentality. It's us against the world. We don't trust any adults. Don't go to them. They're horrible. They ruin my life. They're going to be anarchists. They're going to be anti-every establishment, anti-money. We had a girl here who comes from a, a, not extremely wealthy, but, you know, and her big thing is curse the, the, the wealthy. She wears poor clothing and, and her parents, her father's a doctor. He worked hard his whole life. His mother's an interior decorator. They have a nice house. They're not billionaires and they're not, you know, and we give stuck and we care about the poor. No, she says the communists would take away half your money and give it to other people. I would take away all of it because you, because you should get punished for the way that you are, like the way that we're what, like, you know, anarchy. A crazy anti-government and then he's going to get introduced this chinese kid to worse drugs right he's going to instead of having a weed problem and a rebellion problem and a and a school problem at 14 
14-year-old problem. He's going to have now a 20-year-old cocaine problem and a 30-year-old heroin problem. And his odds of not making it back are huge. So why don't you just let him go through his stage and not pull the plug? In the normal world, I was once normal also. Can't understand working for the long haul. That when you try to stop and control and fight, that it, it doesn't make the problem go away. And it gives the, the kid more pro- problems. But the big question is, yeah, but if you don't show him right from wrong, he knows right from wrong. He knew right from wrong when he was eight, nine, ten years old. But why should he ever get better if he's going to be coddled? Because they do. I have to prove it. I used to have to prove it. I don't need to prove it anymore. <laughs> we have all the proof in the world. I don't have one, thank God, I don't, never had one suicide from all the kids who were suicidal, from all the kids that dropped out. We have, we don't have any anarchists. We have nobody against us. We have no homeless kids. Our success rate is just speaks for itself. And the parents have done their research. And unfortunately, the world is still behind, but they're changing every year. There's another, there's another therapist that, that realizes that their way doesn't work. Doesn't work. Makes a lot of sense. Don't give money. If you're going to use it for bad stuff, makes a lot of sense. But does it work? For that, you need experience. So I have experience with with about 700 families who dealt with this and, and, and much worse. And Be'ezrat um, Hashem, we're going to have success. I, I always think it's a miracle when we're successful. But when you see that when we do ABC, that the miracle happens, so it's more of a miracle, a natural miracle. And it's dangerous. That's why it's a miracle, because things can flip. When you're dealing with someone who dropped out of school, that's a that's not a kid who's struggling in school. That's not a kid who who needs, you know, um, to be pushed back into school. Dropped out of school. Look at these parents. Did it, would anybody have thought when they get married, they're going to have a kid that's going to be a dropout? No. They didn't even have a chance to pray for it under the chuppah. You didn't say God, please help me that my kids should not be a dropout and shouldn't be mixed up with the police and a bad crowd. It could end up in jail, could end up hurting somebody. Please help me that my kids should be happy. No, but we didn't even know to pray for this. Of course my kid's going to be happy. Why wouldn't my kid be happy? We didn't even know to pray that, that my kids shouldn't do drugs. Even weed. Weed is, I'm not getting into whether recreational weed is, is okay or not. That's, this, that's not what he's doing. He's using it as a drug to numb his pain. He's using it to be a, a, a teenage rebel. He's using it to, to be that guy, that, that kid, that angry kid. And yet he's such a sweetheart and he's so underneath, underneath there, there's a sweet soul. And guess what? I've been doing this 20 years working with the worst of the worst guys who were in jail, guys who were violent. And when we, when we look at them as good and we support them as crazy as it sounds, the rebellion just fades away. And then that same kid is like, I'm not really interested in being in the street. Those, those are bad kids. It happens over and over again. We have to change the mindset and, and we have to reel this person back in to feel loved and coddled. And to make up for all the bad that caused all of this. This didn't happen because of a big Yetzirah. It didn't happen because he's a, 
he's taking advantage or manipulating. No, all of that is what we see. But that's not the root of the issue. On any of these kids, I could give testimony that I've, I've worked with the worst kids. The harder they are, the more pain that they were in as a child, and the more walls that they built up around them. The more times they were hurt, these, these, they're usually very mushy. And you see it in group already. You're here a short time. You see people posting from a year ago, from two years ago, from three years ago. These are our sweetest souls. So what do you mean? He was never sweet. Under, because he was born with a sweet, sensitive soul, every time that something hit him the wrong way, it, it caused him to, to build an armor to protect himself. We're dealing with someone who cannot function. We did not have this problem 30 years ago. 1%. Now it's like exploded. Exploded. And people think that the way to get someone to function is to ice him out, ghost him, cancel culture. Not looking at you until you can function. Unfortunately, that takes away their energy and their ability to ever get there. It's so sad that we have this so backed up back backwards and it's in, it's an influence from from you know from the Gaim. Really, it's not a Jewish trait. And I don't know why the Gaim even have it. It doesn't make any sense. Logically, I'm far more successful than any psych ward, any rehab in the world by far, by by four times as much. It's just ridiculous. People damage their kids. By listening to this idea, don't give money because he might use the money or he will use the money for bad stuff. Okay. And then, and then I'll hit rock bottom. You're talking about he's here and you want him to hit rock bottom. You want, you want him to, I don't want him to get to, to anywhere near the bottom. And where's the bottom? Because every time there's a bottom, there's another bottom underneath. And with over easily over 300 kids from our Jewish families, Orthodox families, who are committing suicide or overdose a year, over 300 easy. And thousands who want, who tried and tens of thousands who want to and psych wards being full. That's what we're up against. So we do the opposite. It's very simple. I'm not going to explain the whole thing. We just do the opposite. We support bad behavior because why? Because then that kid who feels different than the family and different than society all of a sudden feels supported. A kid who feels supported cannot end up in jail. And even if he ends up in jail, he won't be, I don't, I have no kids in jail. Some, some of them went to jail for a day or two, whatever, but I have nobody in the system. There's hundreds of Jewish kids who are in the jail system, go into jail, out of jail, in rehab, out of rehab, into another rehab, halfway house for years. We don't have that. We don't have that. Our kids are home. Kids are home and our kids are happy. And halavai, I pray to Hashem that during this period, he should numb his pain with weed. It should be good weed, natural weed, because it's the easiest thing to quit. It's the safest thing for his mind. It's probably the best way to numb your pain compared to all the other ways of numbing your pain, which are just worse. I've had kids numb their pain for four years while we did our treatment, and then they quit one day to the next. They quit when they can, and they were healthier, and they got the help they needed, and they were excited about life. We see that happening every day, every day. It takes time. The other way also takes time. The way of, of throwing the kid out and not giving him money and getting him angry. Don't get him angry. So what would happen if we all just 
accepted this, this craziness that what the healing medicine is, is it's not love because we all love our kids. The parents throwing and the families throwing the kids out also love their kids. They're doing it for their benefit, they think, or, um, or, or not throwing out, but giving a, that's the way you come dressed. That's the way you act. That's the way you behave. Eh, it's meaningless to them. You know what it, you know what happens? You know what they feel when they hear that? This person's out of my life. Whether they X you, delete you, mute you, or or even if they just ignore you. You have no Raisham, you have no impre- power powerful impression that you're gonna make on that kid. The power of influence is dead. As soon as you look down at me. They go through stages, they pierce their tongues, their stuff, piercings come out, even tattoos that are permanent, nothing you can do about it. But when you're supported, you save the part that you that, that we save is the part that you're not even going to think about because he'll never get there. That's the part that the parents and the families don't even appreciate about TP is what we saved is that to the right and to the left of him, these kids end up in jail and these kids end up in a gang and these kids end up selling drugs. And Bezrat Hashem, he's going to emerge out of this and be healthy. And you're never, and you're going to say, oh, my kid, my kid was never that. He would have been. With rejection, he would be. And, and those kids who are that type are also not that type. Those homeless kids that are in Israel and, and, and it breaks my heart. The whole thing's a misunderstanding. They're getting thrown out of home because they don't conform to the rules and they have an iPhone and it's religious trauma in the name of God. How ridiculous. You don't behave the way that I want you to behave. You have no place in my home because I have to protect my kids from you. Comes from the Arabs. Kill the infidel. That comes from the Arabs. It doesn't work on an emotional level, on a human, on a humanistic level. And it's not a Torah approach because every single rabbi in the world always said how to deal with someone who doesn't behave is with love. So, you know, and it can't be love. So that way, so that way you're going to be like me. Because if I love you, then you give me, you just love, you just love people because they're humans. Happens to be that if you're worried about their religion, Happens to be that the rabbis say, by the way, when you love somebody, you influence them over time. Maybe he's going to turn out like you if he wants to. He's certainly not going to ever be like you if you don't love him and you drop him and you hate him because he's not like you. That is like the single biggest turnoff to whatever it is that you're trying to get the kid to do. And it's the same thing with religion. And it's the same thing with life, functioning, school, education. That's what people don't understand. They get it with religion. You yell and, and hate a kid in the name of God. He's never going to want to be from. Everybody would raise their hand. We understand that. But he still has to be a mensch. It's the same thing. If you put somebody down because he's not functioning, you're going to make him anti-function. Like anti-God, anti-religious, anti-Torah, anti-function, anti-society, anti-I have no parents, I have no family. And what do you mean? You have parents. We love you. That's why we're begging you. Please don't behave this way. Stop it. Please stop it. Don't do that. It's not good for you. Beni, beni, beni. You know the song? And we're singing to them and we're begging and we're pleading. And guess what? It's helped. Zilch, zip, zippo, because the brain of someone in rebel mode 
doesn't respond to that. It's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Whatever. What do you mean? I'm just telling you, get it, stay in school. You don't want to go to this school? Fine, go to this school. You're fighting with the police. You're, 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 you're going to be in jail. But, and you get nowhere, nowhere. There's no logic in the world until his mind is ready to accept logic. And guess what happens at that point? Oh, at that point, we could talk to him. At that point, you don't need to talk to him. Because when he wants to be like you, then he's going to be like you. Right now, he doesn't want to be like you because he doesn't think he could fit in. He's a, a loser. He has all the power of being a winner. When I opened a home for homeless kids called Home Sweet Home, I used to tell them, Home Sweet Home is not for losers. Home Sweet Home is for winners who are not yet winning. And if I take you into this home, that means I believe you're a winner. And these kids were losing, losing in life. They were in rehabs full of tattoos, piercings. Guys were, were hanging out with... um with with mobsters, with gangsters. There was one guy, 15-year-old kid from Borough Park, and he used to stay in the Bronx. And when the cops used to come around, because these kids, these guys who we stayed by were on parole, right? So they would visit to make sure that there's no drugs. Or He used to hide in the closet with the guns and the drugs, like a, a, a Hasidish kid. That and, and he was Christian before he moved in. I tell with all of them, and I would tell them, you're not a loser. I feel like a loser because I, I, I you know, I, I, I've been told I, I, I'm a loser and I lost being, you know, elementary school and high school and my family and the respect of everybody in my community. I must be a loser. Ayeves is is number one. That happens automatically. And again, I'm not, I'm not Aisha Torah. I'm not here to make people religious. I'm here to save kids from dying. Death, destruction, families, siblings shouldn't have to go through years of fighting and screaming and, and craziness. And the way is by supplying bad. Oh, what did he just say? Did he say that? Supplying bad? Tamicha. Nobody thought of that. Everybody thought of everything else. Nobody thought that when I give you money for cigarettes or I buy you cigarettes, then you feel as a smoker, even though you're 12 or whatever, and it's illegal, but then you're not like everybody else. All the other kids, who do they love? Who do they love? They love the guy that sits in front of the store and sells cigarettes to to illegal uh, aliens, to underage smokers. He's the guy that takes care of me. Society hates me. I have to get my cigarettes from a kid or from a, another kid that gives it to me and who knows what I have to owe him. Those are the good guys. And parents and society and the law, those are bad, bad people. Parents go ahead and they say, here you go. Terrible, you're enabling. I never met more enabled people in this entire planet than the kids who are thrown out of home and the kids are on the street who the parents don't give them money. They get the, the, the latest iPhones. They get the latest everything. They have everything they need. They're totally enabled because hatred and, and feeling pushed out into this society, especially today, there's so many of them. People will take care of them. It's either going to be you or it's going to be them. And whoever supplies me with my needs, that's who I'm loyal to. And this can go on for a year, two, three, four, five. And after a couple of years of being loyal to gangsters, you end up doing them favors. And they say, listen, just, you know, stay in the getaway car or just, you know, help me this, help me that. I had a kid who told me this kid grew up in Monroe. He was Satmer, sweet boy. 
But when he, he was thrown out of home, he wasn't thrown out. He was asked to leave unless you can conform, and he couldn't conform. And they quote him with a, a DVD. Remember DVD players? In Monroe, that's a big deal. It's a big offense. And he wouldn't let them take it away. And he chose to leave. And he was watching, he wanted to watch Spider-Man. I remember the videos, this is 18 years ago. And um, he lived on the street for three and a half years. And the guy who took him in taught him how to steal. He said, I'll take you in, rent-free. Go ahead, showed him how to steal. He would steal like $5,000 worth of merch, merchandise. And he would give him like 50 bucks. So you have some food. And then he would steal. What are you going to do? And then he would, you know, have him do his dirty work for him. And and then he moved into home sweet home at 17. And now um, he celebrated this week his 10th anniversary. He's married. He has two kids. And he went from being a gangster on the street, beating people up. He told me that he stole money from a store. He goes, I don't know why I stole. I had money in my pocket. Why didn't I have to steal from this Jewish store? But I did. And then when the manager caught me, I almost broke his arm. I twisted all around. It was like it was like about to crack it off until the, the showroom came or police came, whatever it was, and they pulled me off of him. He says, I don't understand what, like, poor guy. He has a wife and kids. He was doing his job. Just a few months later. It doesn't happen as fast with parents, but I took the kids in and we gave them so much, so much, like a microwave of acceptance and believing in themselves and boosting their self-esteem. They look back and they're like, I can't believe that was me. That's going to be Shimon. When everybody says, you're great, you're amazing, and we don't judge him for what he's doing bad. Don't look at it. Don't focus. Let the parents enable it, support them. That's it. You just do your job of Fun, as much fun as he will allow. Build your relationship. Be in touch with him in a natural, normal way. Don't start being like everybody texting him. Hey, how you doing? I miss you at the same exact second. But decide that by the time Rosh Hashanah comes, six months from now, you're going to be able to say that my close connection to him went from whatever number it is to 100. Develop it slowly. Pass by the house or send a video. Or if there's a chat, if he's on, comment on him or reach out to him. Next, this week, next week, plan it out. Haven't seen you in a long time. Come by. If you don't live nearby, develop a relationship. It's even easier sometimes when you're not nearby. Maybe visit him. Maybe invite him to visit you. Don't talk about life. Don't give advice. Don't criticize. Don't look down. Don't judge. You don't have the answers to his, his problems. His answer is he needs fun. And if he opens up to you, that means that you have a great relationship. You say, wow. And you just listen. That's what I did. Wow, you're amazing. I'm amazing. You're going through so much. Other people, they just float. They get in their canoe and they float through life. Row, row, row your canoe. I don't know why I pick canoe. Put him in a boat. And you're going through so much turmoil. And that's amazing. And and wow. And how how's your relationship with your parents? And he's going to say what... Thousands of other kids could not say, my parents are the best. They love me. How how do you prove to a kid like that, I love you? By saying, what are you doing? How could you do this to yourself? What are you crazy? Guess what? That's coming from love, but it doesn't work. His love language is supplying him with the bad stuff he's doing, and that's going to make him different than all the other kids. Get it? Because all the other kids who are doing the bad, let's say smoking weed. 
let's say, they all not getting money, not getting enabled. It's terrible. It's terrible. Don't give them money. They feel like different than us. We're saying, hey, come on in. Whatever you need. We treat this as a sickness. Whatever you want to call it. He's not stable. He's not functioning. He doesn't fe- function well in pretty much any situation that you put him in. And it has nothing to do with religion. You could pull him out of school. You could put him in Chinatown. You could put him in public school. Certain kids, for whatever reason, go through certain traumas and, and abuse or whatever it is that bumps the bumps in the road that each kid has. And they don't function in any situation. Of course, when we're from... It looks like, well, if he wouldn't be from, he wouldn't have all this pressure because they can't handle pressure. And yes, being religious is a ton of extra pressure. It's like life is hard enough. Let's put on 613 additional pressure on a person. But why do we do that? So a little plug for religion here, because I don't want to sound like I'm knocking it. There's a reason when you go to the gym, you know, it's not for, for people like me, but I see Goyim, they go to the gym, you know, or buff, and they spend hours there, right? And you say, what are you doing? You say, I'm working. I'm like, I'm like I want to work on a bicep. I've heard it's here. I've never seen it, actually. It's supposed to be something happens when you do this. I don't know. Nothing, nothing. Zilch. I went to the gym, and uh, I, I complained to the manager. All the, the those big dummies, dumbbells, uh, all glued down to the rack. I couldn't lift them. So he gave me pink ones. I don't know why they had to be pink. Those I was able to work with. And uh, and then he told me to go to a class, but I had to put on leotard. Anyway, so um, the, these guys, they're working. And you ask them, what are you working on? The bicep? <laughs> bicep. Tricep. Now, exactly why do I need a muscle going that way? Like, <laughs> really? First of all, how do you put on tefillin? You know, tefillin, and it's hard but what is that one for? He says, no, I'm working on my trapezoids, on my wings. Wings? And they sit there and they go like that. And they and they have 613 different exercises for all the muscles. And it makes them powerful and strong and builds their body. But it's only for healthy people and strong people. Because when I tried to do it, my back hurt me. All the Jewish people complaining, my back hurt me. My back hurt me so much, and and I I was out for like a week, and I'm like, this is terrible. It's like this is like was this the Holocaust? Is that what they did? They made us go to the gym for two hours a day, running like crazy on a treadmill till we almost die, and then afterwards, you know, lift up all the stuff. Like uh, to me, this is like what people pay money for this. This is their life. This is what this is what they do. This is what they live for, and they become stronger, and they become healthier and become better so for a healthy person it's wonderful but for a not healthy person or jew (laughs) most of us anyway this is this is hell this is not good so all things are like that religion for a healthy person religion is not supposed to hurt if religion hurts you there's then there's something wrong you're not healthy spiritually and i don't blame people for not being healthy spiritually there's a billion reasons why not to be but this is not a spiritual problem. It's an emotional problem that a lot of people have and they struggle or they could have a spiritual issue. Again, I don't, I'm not here to make people from that's, I'm not Asha Torah. I'm just dealing with kids who want to die. And why do they want to die? Because they don't fit in. 
They don't fit in. And it looks like because you're pressuring them to be from, take it off the table, no pressure. Don't pressure a kid to be from. It doesn't even make any sense. It's like pressuring someone to like you. If you can't pressure someone to like you, how do you pressure someone to like God or to like Torah? That's a personal journey. He probably has his reasons why he he has a beef with God. That's my experience, that the people who are not religious, it, it, you know, if religion was easy, people would do it. And I don't mean that people don't do it because it's not easy, because people would do it even if it's not easy. There's usually a reason why I don't feel that I can do this now. Again, we're far from that, not my issue. So don't blame religion. Don't look at it like a religious issue, which is the mistake of the charedim, of many from people. that They think this is a Jewish issue. He's a bum, and he's not keeping Shabbos. This is a functioning issue. And when you can't function in school, you can't function in life, you're not in school, not working, no future, in a bad crowd. He, he should be in a bad crowd. A nice Jewish boy should be in a bad crowd. And who's the bad crowd? Also nice Jewish boys. Also, they have their story. You ask anybody working in this for over 10 years. They'll all tell you, all these kids were hurt. And the only thing that takes away hurt is pleasure. They got free pain that they didn't deserve. They should get free pleasure. When you see somebody that you could tell that he's hurting, you hug him, you love him, you you get into his kishkis that he's that he has value because he's he's struggling, struggling. Whatever the struggle is, makes no difference. So, what I figured out is what would happen if instead of mom and dad and society and aunts and uncles and cousins and brothers and blah, blah, blah. What if instead of them all being um, my problem, they'll look down at me and lower my self-esteem and make me feel like garbage. And on the street, they're like, hey, dude, yo. What if we were on his side? What if we, we celebrated him with whatever he does, which unfortunately is... Uh, mostly just bad stuff at this point. But what if we were, we, we were his cheering, uh, cheering squad, his cheerleaders? What would happen? Surprisingly, what happens is he feels better about himself. Not just he feels better, but he, 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 they would rather have us being the cheerleader because we're his parents and his family. And they're losers. And then he starts to look at them as, I don't really feel so kind. I'd rather spend time with you. And then slowly, and yet not so slow, every day feels like a long time, but it's not a 100-year journey. It's not a 20-year journey, and Hashem should help. It's not a 10-year a journey. It could, it's a, it could be whatever. I don't like to put time limits on it. But pretty quickly, in the scheme of things, he's just going to feel like us. He's going to feel comfortable being home instead of those kids who walk home and all of a sudden they get eyes looking at them, people scared of them, saying things. Why do you have to do that? You smell, you go take a shower, go to your room. Blah, blah, blah. All of that is all a mistake. It's all one big misunderstanding. He comes home. Oh, thank you, Hashem. He's home. He's safe. Open your arms. Make him feel more comfortable. We wait up at night late for these kids to come home. 
we greet him. We say, come, let's schmooze. I don't want to schmooze. No problem. Then you don't schmooze. A year later, he's going to sit down and he's going to talk to you. He's going to open up. It takes time to win him over because it took time to lose his trust. It's going to take time to win it back. No pressure. No pressure. We're here for you. We send them gifts. Everybody's nice. We're nice to everybody in the family. All the other siblings also get extra gifts. Let me see a big smile. <laughs> that's a smile. And you get good stuff that's good for you, and he gets bad stuff that's bad for him. You get it? You understand why? Because bad stuff for you is bad. You, bad stuff is not good for you. You get good stuff that's good for you. And he gets bad stuff because the good stuff he doesn't want. Sad, right? Do you get teased? Anybody teasing you? No? You're lucky. You're lucky. Do you have the nicest parents in the world? And they're going to get a lot nicer by the time I'm done with them. They're really nice people. And they don't know how to deal with someone who's like just doing all the wrong stuff. Do you want to be like him? You sure? You sure? I'll tell you. If you'll be like him, I will tell your parents to buy you a television and to let you smoke cigarettes. Do you want to smoke cigarettes? But you can. You sure? No? Why not? Because you're normal? Because they're not healthy? Because it's not good for you? Okay? Whatever you're going to want to do in your life, you're going to know, look at what my parents are doing for my brother. I'm not jealous. I hope I never need that. But if I ever need something, I know that I have mom and dad right right behind you. They got your back, right? That's the feeling that that kids need to know. My mom and dad have my back. And you know, when they tell you, sorry, no, it's not good for you. You say, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Hashem. That means I'm still normal. I'm not getting yes, 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 yes to everything. When you're out of bounds and you're asking for something that they really think is not good for you, they're going to say, oh, sorry, we love you, but it's not good for you. And you'll be like, okay, I can handle that. I'm normal. I can handle that. Right? But if you ever need more, they will give you more. They're never going to abandon you. They're never going to let you need anything from anybody else. You could open up to them and talk to them about anything, no matter what. You always have parents to talk to. Do you know that? Two thumbs up, one thumb up, or two thumbs up? Three. Th- how did you get three thumbs? Oh, that's a toe. One toe and two th- two toes and two thumbs up. Right, right. That's kind of for the other children. We don't abandon anybody. We don't push away anybody. We give everybody what they need. And the chap, the chiddush over here is that we give bad stuff that we don't want because we want our child to feel supported by us. And the therapy world says, you're crazy, you're out of your mind, you can't enable bad behavior, blah, blah, blah. Yes, you should. Why? Because then they feel enabled by you. And that disables the rebellion. We take out the rebellion. Like like kids tell me all the time, 90% of what the kids are doing on the street, that attitude and the fighting, it's because... They're in a war. We, we kill the war. Kill the rebel. 
kill the rebel. That's what we're doing, right? Yitamu chatoim, lechaitim chatoim. We don't kill the the sinners, we kill the sin. We don't kill the rebels, we kill the the rebel out of the person. How? I accept you. You're my brother. You're my sister. We're the same. I don't look down at you. I'm not better than you. Maybe I'm more fortunate than you. And in order to do this, we need one very big mida, major character trait that we're supposed to do as from people more than anybody else. We should focus on it more, which is not to be judgmental, to be kind. And that's the only thing that I was given by God 20 years ago when I took these kids in. For some reason, I just didn't look down at them. I don't know why. I didn't feel, I felt like, I, I didn't feel I'm better than them. But I am better than them. I felt like maybe if I had his life, I would be worse than him. I mean, isn't that true? And they somehow just realized that I don't look down at them. Even though they stole and I never stole and they ate on Yom Kippur and I never ate on Yom Kippur and they smoked weed and I never smoked weed. And some of them um, had a lot of um, messed up, um, I don't want to say in front of young people, intimate situations and um, with all different kinds of, yeah, I just, I never felt that I should look down at someone. I'm like, thank God I don't have to deal with those with those urges and, and problems. And, you know, I'm just so happy that I don't have that. But why should I look down at somebody else? It's ridiculous. It's like step one, don't look down at anybody. Be there for them. Humble. Be humble. Be kind. And, uh, and that's what our job is in this generation, is to be humble and to be kind and not to look down at anybody and not to think. You know, I feel like when people look down, like I was with somebody who's, who's supposedly very religious, very judgmental. And he says, they all just have big gates of horror. I'm like, you know, 20 years, I dealt with hundreds, maybe thousands already. I never met that kid that the problem was that he had too big of a gate of horror. It's, it's, they're so judgmental. And I was saying to myself, just like I'm so happy I'm not them, I'm also so happy I'm not that guy. It, that's not my religion. No rabbi, no great rabbi ever said to look down on anybody else. That's the whole thing. Love people and embrace their struggle. It's thank, thank you, Hashem. It's not your struggle, but don't look down. Like the t-shirt says, don't judge me because I sin differently than you. Everybody sins. But you, oh, that, you're, you're a terrible sinner. I'm judging you. My sins, that's okay. Our sins that destroyed the base of Mikdash, Sinaschinam. It's okay, you know. It's like Haimish sins. We're used to it. We're okay with Haimish sins. This sin, that's not my, not in my thing. Oh, so that's terrible. You're the problem. Not our way. Not our way. So that's what the parents are doing now. This is not your challenge, everybody else. And this is not your decision, whether you agree with what I say, which I hope you do, and you understand it, which I hope you do, whether you embrace it, which I hope you do. That's not your challenge. Your challenge is they embrace it 
And your challenge is, are you going to support them or not? Because every family has the one with the big heart who's like, oh, I love you. I'm so proud of you. And the cynic. You think this guy knows what he's doing? Some guy, well, he doesn't even have a degree. Look behind his shoulder. What do you see? Where's all the plaques? Where's all the degrees? Where, where, what are you listening to him for? You got the cynic. Then you got the, the negative guy. He's different than the cynic. Every family has one of each. You got to have it there somewhere. You can't all just be nice, right? Then you have the one who struggled and overcame with tough love and thinks that that's the way to do it and cannot hear anything else. And then you have the disciplinarian. And then you have the, every family's got, that's not Unisayan. They chose their hospital. They're here. They chose their person to guide them. That's not your challenge. Your challenge is one thing. Are you going to support them or not? What you could do to support them, give them each a hug and say, I'm so proud of you. You picked the hardest mahalach. You picked the hardest. This takes such self-discipline. It is so difficult. Much easier. It's much easier to, to just let it all out and say whatever you want and be negative and, and, and talk lush and hara about your kid and to hate on him and to say, oh, he's terrible, he stinks, and then say, oh, he takes after you. No, he takes after you. That's much easier. And to be merachik is easy. To be of somebody who's doing things, and to listen to this dysfunction and to see all the stuff that we're going to see and to hug all his friends and to save all his friends and to show them that I don't have judgment on you. Come, come, and to realize that we could save all these souls from death, from dysfunction, from, from all kinds of problems. That's our mission. You are shluchim. So you should hug these parents and embrace them and say, what can I do for you? What can I do to help you? Help out with the siblings. Because this is this they need more love, right, siblings? Representing the siblings. They need more love. They're, it's hard for them. Help the parents. The parent told me, what do I do? My 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 neighbor is like, you know, criticizing me and saying, what are you crazy? Why are you letting the, the boy in and the, or the girl in without the tzniyas and the this, all in the name of God? But the truth is they're not, not from people they also criticize. So you're letting them drop out of school and you're letting this behavior and underage drinking. It's not a religious thing. Just the religious people make it sound very holy. <laughs> it's not, nothing to do with God. Anyway, so giving, giving me, you know, the shechenim, so Raburi Zohar, that's how he was here in group. Someone said, what about the neighbors? See, he said, we can't be worried about the Shekhinim, about the neighbors. We only worry about the Shekhinah, about what God wants from us. I gave a very practical thing. I said, go to your neighbor and say, listen, I see you really care about me and my family. You have all this beautiful advice. Could you lend me $25,000? I guarantee you, you will never hear from the guy again. He will avoid you like the plague, like all Esarmachis. Every time you come outside and he's mowing his lawn or something, and you're going to say, hey, can I come? He's going to say, oh, I got to go, got to go. That's it. Right? Okay. So do what you can for them. They need help. They need help. Be there for them. Tell them, I'm proud of you. We're here for you. Offer them help. I don't know if they need money or not. This is very expensive to have one kip. I call them kids in pain. Kips cost more than 20 regular kids. 
ask them what you can do for them and get involved with building happy, un, non-judgmental, warm relations relationship with this kid. So by Rosh Hashanah time, you should say, I've done my job this year. This is my focus. Every day, put it into your into your um, calendar once or twice to reach out. And you reach out in a normal way. If you didn't reach out in three months, come up with a reason. God, God help us. We shouldn't have to wait for his birthday. But if it starts at least that, at least once a year, you have a reason to, to, to reach out. But find another way. Oh, I bumped into your parents. I spoke to your parents. I, I realized I didn't see you in a long time. How are you doing? How are you? What's doing? Any way that you could be Kirill of us. And everybody do it in the family with each other. Because that's what our mission is. We're here to love people and not to judge people because they have a different journey than us or they sin differently than us. Not to think that we're better. I feel like when someone does that, it's as if they're saying, God, you know, we all come down here again and again. We believe we're Gilgulim. In the next Gilgul, send me down as that guy. I think I could do better with his challenges. Nobody would say that. So just love people. And be there for them. And in, in this case, when we're dealing with dysfunction, the treatment is also dysfunctional. And that's why it's called twisted parenting, where the parents are going to support dysfunction, even though that's not really the way we grew up. And it doesn't make sense uh, in a certain way why it would work. But once you get it, it works so well, it makes so much sense. And more and more, the trauma world is learning and uh, professionals are learning that their way does not work and our way does work. And every year it gets more and more accepted. I just realized this 20 years ago that these kids are good. And if somebody's going to supply, let it be us. They don't have to steal. They don't have to feel rejection. They don't have to feel the different. We have Tati, Mommy, Daddy, Mommy, Abba, whatever you call yourselves. Also, part of what I do is I have everybody, every family has to have a rabbi that's associated with me. If you have a kosher restaurant, you need to have a great chef, but then it has to be kosher. You need to have a rabbi. So because the families that come to me are from, so sometimes there, there is a question that would not exist if we were not religious. It's a, it becomes a religious question. Let's say the kid has chametz on Pesach and brings it into the house. Are you allowed to accept that? It's a question, right? We have the answers, but I don't like to take it on, on my, on my um, shoulders. So every, but he has a rough. Can you drive on Shabbos to pick him up? Can you answer his calls on Shabbos? In in different scenarios, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that's why everybody has a rabbi. So just like we have to do what's right on a physical safety, emotional safety, also spiritual safety. The good news is I've never gotten a no from a rav for any of my ideas because I know. I know what I'm doing, and and we're not doing anything that's actually crazy. We don't do anything that's against halacha. And um, when you're dealing with a, a pikuach nefesh or a safek pikuach nefesh, you really can't go wrong. But I don't want to take that on my shoulders, and I have people from all walks of life. So and I have also some not religious people. They're traditional. I have their rabbi on also, and he gives them the instruction and chizuk of what they need to do, and especially for from people or chasidish or yeshivish, they need to feel that they're doing Ratz and Hashem, which they are, and that comes um, better from a rabbi than from me. So I have hundreds of rabbis that are with us, and I'm, I'm so pleased to be able to have such a, a, um, a wonderful rav. Shh.
Shmai Hailech Lufana. I'd like to ask you to say a few words and Divi Brach and Chizok.